It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Wednesday, October 12th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. We head back to Los Angeles City Hall in the wake of the City Council controversy. In addition to calls for resignations, many LA residents are questioning why America's second largest city has such a small city council with so much consolidated power. More on the California Report. We've got your local news and weather before KVMR's Felton Pruitt talks to Robert Trent, the executive director of Sierra Commons. We close tonight with a commentary by Rob Katzenston on the future of electric transportation. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. President Biden is weighing in on L.A.'s city council controversy. During a White House briefing Tuesday, Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said that former city council president Nuri Martinez, who's taking a leave of absence, and councilmen Kevin DeLeon and Gil Cedillo should resign. The language that was used and tolerated during that conversation was unacceptable, and it was appalling. Uh, they should all step down. Calls for the trio's resignation have been intensifying since a recording was made public of a closed-door meeting in which racist language was used to describe colleagues as the council members plotted to safeguard Latino political strength in council districts. With more, here's my California Report colleague, Saul Gonzalez. Saul? Mari, here's what the scene at L.A. City Hall sounded like yesterday morning when members of the city council tried to meet for the first time since the release of the tape over the weekend. A crowd of mostly African-American and Latino protesters packed the chamber and angrily called for the resignations of the three Latino members who were caught on tape making racist and crude comments. Carrying signs with messages like take out the trash and shame on you, the demonstrators vowed that no city business would get done until the three council members, Nuri Martinez, Kevin DeLeon, and Gil Sadio, left office for good. William Goode is an L.A. resident who was one of the first to arrive for the city council meeting. These council members that were involved with this meeting have to go. They have to go. There isn't any salvaging their job. There isn't any salvaging their career. Their career needs to end. We're going to make our voices heard. We're going to make sure they have to leave now. Protester Orma Mendez said she wants to see the same thing. In her 70s, she said she came to City Hall out of her religious convictions. We don't need races. We should love everybody. I'm a child of God. We should love everybody. We should have racism. We have to stand up and fight for our rights. Fight for our rights. Now, maybe the most powerful and emotionally raw moment of the day came when Councilman Mike Bonin rose to speak. A white man who represents Venice and parts of West L.A. on the council, it was his adopted black child who was attacked in the audio recording, being compared to a small monkey in Spanish by Councilwoman Nuri Martinez. Bonin fought back tears when he talked about the personal toll of the last few days. I'm a, I'm a dad who loves his son in ways that words cannot capture. And I take a lot of hits, and in hell, I know I practically invite a bunch of them. But my son? Man, that makes my soul bleed, and it makes my temper burn. And I know I'm not alone, because Los Angeles has spoken, and it feels the same way. Bonin also said the process of healing would take time, both for his own family and the city. 
So, stepping back now, what might come next in terms of brass tacks reforms in L.A. in the wake of the scandal? Well, there's already discussions about expanding the city's 15-member city council. At its current size, each council member represents well over a quarter of a million people. A bigger council, it's argued, like New York or Chicago's, would make it easier for elected officials to represent L.A.'s kaleidoscope of communities. Many also want to revisit how current city council districts were drawn up and accepted and maybe adopt new ones. Here's Shekinah Diakaris, who attended the city council meeting and had really strong views about local government reform. One thing is we want to evaluate the redistricting process and ensure that redistricting isn't used for city council members to keep their seats safe, but rather to ensure that everybody's voices are heard so that things like this don't happen again. What's clear is that this week's scandal and its aftermath have opened a much larger conversation in Los Angeles about race, politics, and how best to govern America's second largest city. Madi? Thanks, Saul. That was California Report co-host Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Dozens of workers at Amazon's largest air hub on the West Coast announced they'll go on a one-day strike later this week over low wages. KQED's labor correspondent Farida Javala Romero has more. The starting wage is $17 an hour at the large Amazon Air Freight Fulfillment Center in San Bernardino. The company announced last month pay will go up by about $1 for its U.S. warehouse and transportation workers, also known as associates. But Rex Evans called that race pitiful. He's a former firefighter who helps direct cargo planes at the facility. Cost of living is going, everything's going, going up except for our wages. You know, I've heard from some associates that they have to make a decision whether to, am I going to buy groceries this week or am I going to get gas? Evans and others with a group called Inland Empire Amazon Workers United are calling on the company to pay them $5 more per hour and fix what they say are unsafe conditions and retaliation. Amazon did not immediately return requests for comment. The company's profits ballooned during the pandemic with nearly $25 billion in operating income just last year. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero. The National Labor Review Board has issued another complaint against Starbucks for allegedly intimidating and retaliating against workers who voted to unionize at a San Francisco store this August. Workers at the 18th and Castro site reported being interrogated by managers, threatened with a loss of benefits, and targeted for surveillance and discipline. Casey Moore is with Starbucks Workers United. The NLRB has issued over 34 complaints, like this one across the country encompassing over 800 violations of federal labor law. So the scale at which the company is launching this anti-union campaign is almost unprecedented. A Starbucks spokesperson said the union busting claims are false and reaffirmed support for the workers' right to unionize. A court hearing date is set for January. Support for the California Report comes from Paint Care. Now with 834 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. Alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area. Now's the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute. Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel Falcor 2 
advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration on the web at schmidtocean.org. And that's the California Report for Wednesday, October 12th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Before we get into local news, a quick update on the developing city council story out of Los Angeles we heard on today's California Report. After protests at the LA City Council building and President Biden weighing in, Nuri Martinez resigned her seat as President and District 6 representative on the Los Angeles City Council today, days after the release of an explosive leaked audio of a racist crude conversation. This from the Los Angeles Times. Now back to local news. Nevada County's quest to obtain and provide broadband service to the more rural parts of the region came a step closer to reality on Tuesday morning. During a meeting of the Nevada County Board of Supervisors, a motion was unanimously passed to sign a Memorandum of Understanding between Golden State Connect Authority and the county regarding the construction, improvement, operation, and maintenance of broadband service in underserved and unincorporated areas of the county. Stephen Monahan, Chief Information Officer for Nevada County, says that the exact locations of the broadband have yet to be determined, but the passing of the memo will, quote, enable Golden State Connect Authority to help do that analysis that we're getting through that $500,000 grant, which will pay for that engineering to really determine where it's going to be. This half-a-million-dollar grant is one the board approved in August. It's a local agency technological assistance grant through the California Public Utilities Commission, Although he doesn't know the exact broadband locations, Monahan says this new service will be where there's not a current wireline provider or within the city limits. It'll most likely be in an unincorporated county where the highest number of underserved and unserved residents live. This from the Union of Grass Valley. A Caltrans Interstate 80 and Truckee project originally scheduled to wrap up in September was given a new finish date. I-80 drivers in Truckee were told Monday, October 17th is the new finish date for work on the Central Truckee eastbound off-ramp. The closure of the I-80 exit 186 eastbound off-ramp is due to ramp construction including sign structure installation, paving, and drainage work. Intermittent I-80 lane and ramp closures also continue through October between the I-80 and State Route 89 and State Route 267 separation and Donner Pass Road, Goldstream Road for striping, electrical, and grinding work. Motorists are reminded to expect travel delays on I-80 through November due to construction. This work is part of the $30.6 million project to rehabilitate the existing concrete on I-80 in Truckee, install a westbound auxiliary lane from the State Route 89 south on-ramp to the Donner Pass Road off-ramp, install eastbound acceleration lanes from the Donner Pass Road on-ramp and the State Route 89 south ramp, improve drainage, and upgrade concrete walkways along ramps to meet current ADA standards. Turning our attention to your forecast from the National Weather Service and air quality data from purpleair.com. Well, I guess it's fall, but you wouldn't know it from our forecast. Temperatures in Grass Valley are expected to remain in the mid-80s for the rest of this week, continuing what National Weather Service meteorologist Chelsea Peters calls an abnormally dry weather pattern for the region. Quote, Unfortunately, it's basically status quo for the rest of the week, says Peters, before mentioning a slight 5-degree dip in temperatures forecast for the weekend. Overnight lows are expected to hover in the 60-degree range as well for the next week, 
And things aren't looking good beyond the National Weather Service's official seven-day forecast in terms of potential for precipitation. No rain is seen on the even distant horizon. Peter says thanks to little wind activity, wildfire threats are low. But due to the hot and dry conditions as of late, she warns not to let your guard down just yet. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, clear with a low around 56. Thursday, sunny with a high near 82. Today's air quality is acceptable, but risky for sensitive people, with an AQI around 55. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 38. Thursday, sunny with a high near 73. The current air quality is also acceptable, but risky for sensitive people, with an AQI around 50. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 55. Thursday, sunny with a high near 85. We're three for three. Sacramento's current air quality is acceptable, but risky for sensitive people, with an AQI nearing 60. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. When you think Nevada County, the latest tech may not be the first thing to come to mind. KVMR's Felton Pruitt lets us know why this might be changing up ahead. We're talking with Robert Trent. He's the executive director of Sierra Commons, the business igniter for Nevada County. Nice to talk with you, Robert. What's going on? Oh, man, Felton, we got so much stuff cooking. It's it's incredible. I really appreciate the time to give uh, some focus on the organization. I know you had an uh, event, what, last week? Yeah, it was called CEOs and Tacos, and we gathered like 30 executives from the tech uh, sector in Western Nevada County. And I don't know if and when that's ever happened before, but we really got together. It was like a post-pandemic reflection on what's going on in the tech community and what we need to move that important business sector forward. So it was pretty productive, and it was just a lot of fun, too. So from that, we're um, having another event, which is more casual, on the 24th at the Communal Cafe. So if you're a technologist, a techno nerd into drones or programming or 3D video or whatever you got cooking, it's um, a meetup we're having at the Communal Cafe from 5.30 to 7 on the 24th. So that's that's cool. Where is the Communal Cafe? It's right there on, on Broad and Pine. It's a fabulous uh, new coffee shop, relatively new coffee shop, and they just got their beer and wine license and a full menu so it's it's the place to be so what were some of the takeaways from your meeting there was a lot but really the need for community to just you know when it comes down to it it's people and that in in some ways every business now is a technology company so we're all using technology and the technologists uh, oftentimes are just isolated and doing their thing and it's great to get together and exchange ideas and feel a part of a community. So we're starting there. We're building the community with something like uh, our meetup on the 24th. We started a LinkedIn group called Nevada County Tech Community. And there's um, other events happening as well. And we're really just in reaching out. We're shaking the trees, seeing who's out there, getting together and see what, what grows from that. It's kind of interesting how, of course, our county started as a mining and then agricultural area of, in the past history. And we certainly have moved into the tech world over the last 30, 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we started with the Pelton wheel and now we got the Felton wheel. So that's, that's what's happening. 
<laughs> I'm not sure what the Felton wheel is, but <laughs> <laughs> that's you, man. You're keeping that rolling. And tell people a little bit about Sierra Commons and what you do there. Sure. Well, we are really into um, building a local resilient economy, and we do that in multiple ways. Uh, as I mentioned, through community building and making connections among people. Uh, we have a co-working facility. We have one-to-one business advising. So anyone that is an entrepreneur can come to Sierra Commons and get free to them one-to-one business advising. And that's through a partnership with the Sierra Small Business Development Center. And then our cornerstone educational program is called the Business Igniter Course. We're right in the middle of the Fall Business Igniter Course. And there's 15 businesses that are launching or growing. And we help help them in all aspects uh, of their business development that we can. It's businesses and people that everyone in this community knows, and they're building uh, small businesses that not only give them a livelihood, but also enrich the community. So that's what we're all about. Robert, if people want to get a hold of folks at Sierra Commons, how do they do that? Uh, The best way is just go to sierracommons.org. Or if you want to go old school, you can call 530-265-8443 or email info at sierracommons.org. All right. We've been talking with Robert Trent, the Executive Director of Sierra Commons in Nevada City. Thanks for your time. All right. Thank you, Felton. We close with a commentary by Rob Katzenstein about the future of electric transportation. Katzenstein's worked in the solar industry for nearly two decades and co-owns Power Structures LLC, a specialty solar racking company in Nevada City. Have you heard? There's a huge shift in the way we're going to move around this planet. Everything is going electric. Cars and trucks, buses and vans, motorcycles, bikes and trikes, skateboards and scooters, even helicopters and airplanes. And it's a good thing. About time we wean ourselves of our oil addiction. Not only are we warming the planet by burning fossil fuels, we're destroying vast wilderness areas searching for new sources of the sticky goo. It ain't going to last forever, folks, so we better start shifting over to greener ways. In fact, California has mandated that after 2035, gasoline-powered cars will not be sold in this state. But if you've been thinking about buying an electric car, you've probably experienced the sticker shock that I've been having. I've been trying to get one for a year now, ever since my trusty Toyota Hybrid got totaled. Having gotten a settlement from my insurance company for about ten grand, I thought I could get something pretty nice. Ha ha, think again. I've watched the prices for both new and used models skyrocket as the price of gasoline shoots upward as well. Hybrids and small gas savers too. They are so much in demand and car dealers know it. Even on Craigslist, prices seem to be much higher and firmer on models that get good mileage and even more on electric cars. Fortunately, I've been able to use my work van when needed and ride my electric bike around town, so my hunt for an e-car is not critical. I can afford to wait. I'm hoping that with the increased competition, the new companies coming in and prices for e-cars will drop, and older models without a great range will be very affordable for people who need transportation around town. Car and Driver magazine says electric cars are the future. And each year, we've seen automakers add more EVs to their lineups. Do you wait for these or buy older technology that doesn't go as far? Can you get an electric car that fulfills all your requirements? Maybe you want all-wheel drive or a car that seats you and your family of five or one that goes all the way to the Bay Area without recharging. 
This revolution to electric transportation is being led by major innovations in lithium battery technologies. There are plans to open many factories to produce the major component that is needed for this changeover. As these companies perfect their technology, the range and charging times of the vehicles will surely improve. Cars with ranges over 300 miles per charge will be the new normal soon, and soon charging stations will be all around. President Biden just approved $900 million towards getting a nationwide network of these charging stations. Municipalities like Nevada City and Grass Valley are already looking for space in their parking lots. There is also an explosion of electric bikes now available. These make it easy to do your commuting or shopping without working up a sweat. You still get exercise, but don't have to work so hard to go up that hill with a saddlebag full of groceries. I'd encourage everyone to try them out and substitute bike riding for some of the gas-guzzling errands we tend to run around town. And hopefully, when you get home and plug your bike or car into that charger, you're using green electricity, possibly from your solar system on your roof, or buying green power from your utility. We need to become conscious not only of our gas consumption, but where our electricity is coming from. If you want to check out some electric cars and bikes that are available now, come to the Electric Car Show hosted by Nevada County Climate Action Now. It will be in the parking lot of the New York Hotel on Broad Street, across from the Nevada Theater, in Nevada City, on Saturday, October 29th, from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. The owners of their vehicles and bikes will be present so you can ask questions and find out what they love or hate about their cars. Representatives from the Sacramento EV Association will be there also to answer your questions about tax credits and rebates, and some of the new models that are becoming available. I hope to see you there, and it's time to get rid of that gas-guzzling, smog-producing, climate-changing clunker sitting in your driveway, and get into something quiet, smooth, and powerful. The new revolution of electric cars and bikes is here. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the speaker only, and not necessarily those of KVMR, its staff, management, board, or contributors. That's our newscast for this Wednesday, October 12th. Visit us online at kvmr.org and on Facebook and Instagram. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and... Green Acres Nursery and Supply, reminding listeners that now is the time to plant fall vegetables. Plant cool season crops like Brussels sprouts, carrots, cauliflower, kale, leafy greens, and more. IDigGreenAcres.com And SPD Markets, serving Nevada County for 63 years with locations on Zion Street, Nevada City, and McKnight Way, Grass Valley. Offering conventional, organic, and local products. Produce also specialty food. Information online, spdmarket.com. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Join us Thursday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News. Thank <laughs> you.